Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is the July 28th, 2018 edition. And joining me today, once again, is Adam Vitali. Hey, so it's just us two again. It is, it is. Uh, obviously, you know, with uh, everything going on this past couple of weeks, I think people are just kind of taking it easy for this for July, which is perfectly understandable. And so we return the best duo of the podcast, maybe, perhaps. I could be lying. I could be full of myself. But we're going to have some fun anyway. Um, part of the reason why we don't really need too many people, though, is just because, once again, it is a pretty light news week. Uh, but some important things, like always, uh, that we want to discuss. But before we get into that, we always like to talk about the games that we've been playing. So, Adam, last week uh, we left off, you were discussing E's Memories of Salsetta. Uh, we decided to just stick with the PC port impressions that you posted, but with the video too. And so that's kind of the full of that. I mean, we've got my review of that game anyway. But you did also mention at the time that you had a copy of Octopath Traveler. Uh, that you were looking to break open once you got done with the other stuff. And so it looks like you finally did get into that. Um, how much of that game have you played so far? Uh, I'm about 20 hours in Oof. Uh, okay. in terms of hours. And in terms of like game progression, I think most people who have been paying attention know that there's the eight characters and they each have four chapters Yes, um, for each of the eight characters. I've, what I've done, the way I'm approaching the game is I have done, I, I have, recruited all eight characters so i've done the first chapter of each of them um kind of their introduction and their kind of the reason why they set off traveling if you will yeah yeah. um but i actually haven't done any other chapters yet any any of their chapter twos if you will so basically at that point in the game it opens up quite a bit in terms of um let me actually just take a step back uh so the game is the game world is kind of, it's actually kind of robotic in a way that it's, it's subdivided into like eight regions. One, each of the characters is from one of these eight regions. Uh, there's like the flatlands and the desert and the riverlands and things like that. Um, once you've recruited each of the eight characters, uh, you're basically at the point where everything opens up and you can explore deeper into each of these eight lands. And that's also when you start to get like, you can start to access jobs or your secondary jobs for your characters and things like that. Oh, sweet. So what I, yeah, so what I kind of decided to do at this point, and this is just the way I approach games like this sometimes, like, okay, um, I'm going to explore each of these lands and get to, like, the, the second city within each of them. You, like, the starting city is where you get the character, but each of these eight lands also have like has, like, a second city further in. Yeah. But cities also act as, like, warp points. So I kind of decided, let me just kind of put the story stuff, character stuff in the back burner for now. Let me collect, first of all, the secondary jobs. There's, again, one in each of these eight areas. Let me go to each of these eight new cities. That way I can warp, warp around them, you know, freely. And I'll, again, I'll get a lot of experience as I do this, you know, get some job points, get money, uh, so I can buy better equipment. So kind of just putting the story stuff on the back burner and just kind of diving into the game part um, really head first here. Uh, I'll probably be a little bit overpowered by the time I actually get around to doing some of these chapter twos because I've kind of walked by them. Um, so that's okay. Yeah, is are these towns unique to each character? Like they're not crossing to. I mean, I assume some of them, of course, are, but well, is there enough variety there? Well, here's the thing. Um, so Octopath Traveler, I can start to see where some of the criticism comes in. It is not structured like Final Fantasy VI, uh, yeah. or really most. RPGs, classical RPGs or JRPGs or whatever. Like it's not really game. structured like that. Um, it's kind of this 
it's actually a little bit robotic in a sense where there's these eight realms in the game. And for example, when you start off the game, you basically pick one character to start with. And then the whole, the whole map is basically a loop at that point. Yeah. You kind of circle around it and there's eight, eight, you basically circle through eight different regions as you go around this sort of loop on the map. Um, and each of those eight regions has a town and each town has a character and also, each of those eight regions has a dungeon you can explore. Um, and so it's kind of open-ended in a sense that you can start with any of the eight characters and go in whichever direction you want. Um, but the towns themselves all are basically the same template. There's like a bar in each town, and that's where you can change characters. You can raise your reputation. Uh, manage, do your equipment management, things like that. Each town has a shop. For like like provisions and consumable items, each town has a has a weapon shop, armor shop. Now, the weapon shop, armor shop wears differ from town to town. Like for example, one city might have bows and spears, which some of your classes can use, and then the next city over might have staves, uh, and that might be it. Actually, they might just have staves and robes for armor. Um, but really, to answer your question shortly, actually, most of the sounds are the towns are a little bit copy paste in a sense oh okay they, they well they each have their own they each have like a, a different layout to them but it, you're finding the same things in each town and you ultimately are doing the same things in each town sure. so like for example i i've been to the eight starting towns and i've actually just gotten before we started the podcast kind of like the eight second towns in each of these uh eight locations so that's 16 towns total i'm not sure if there's like a third one in each or not um and you really kind of find yourself doing the same thing in each of them. Like, for example, I have the thief in my party. Each time I go to a new town, I steal as much stuff as I can. Sometimes you can get some really overpowered weapons uh, and armor. Yeah. Uh, you can do, you can have one of your characters, one of his path actions is to inquire. And that that's basically talking to people. And they'll, they can sometimes point out, like, you can find out about hidden items or information you need to know for quests. Or sometimes it like opens up more items in the shop if you talk if you inquire on the right person, um, and then like there's sometimes there's some items you have to buy or it might make more sense to buy it than to steal it if it has a really low steal chance. So what I'm getting at is is like when you go to each of these towns, you're kind of doing the same things over and over again. And I do know some people have criticized it as well. It is it does get a little bit repetitive in a sense. Yeah, um, well, I mean to be like, fair, like sixteen. Oh, yeah. sorry. I was going to say, like, even, like, older games, it's, you know, you go to each town, you expect to find, like, a weapon shop, armor shop, pub, yeah. and stuff like that. So it's not too, uh, you know, outlandish to think that. I do agree. I do think, though, it sounds like that none of these towns really stand out, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, well, I, the thing is, I have not done, like, the story content in some of these towns for, like, like for example, um, I don't have the game in front of me right now, but, you know, I went to the town where Tressa's second part of her story takes place. Um, and the game will even pop up, like, if you have trust in your party, hey, there's something I needed to do here, and then that little menu actually tells you, like, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to continue trust the story? You can basically say yes or no. That's cool. Um, and I, and I haven't yet. I, I just, just kind of, like I said, decided I'm just going to explore for now, and then once I've kind of, once I've kind of exhausted the exploration, then I'll just kind of knock out these story parts in a row here. Um, but... So it's a little bit mechanical in a sense, like 
you're doing the same things in each town. Each of the eight regions has their own like aesthetic. Like to so the eight regions, there's like a woodland. That's of course where you find the huntress in it. There's the snow area, which is where you find Ophelia. There's like one that's like uh, a river area. It's like rivers and marshes and things like that. One's a desert and so on. Um, so like each of these eight areas has a, uh, a theme, unique aesthetic to it, yeah. and different enemies you fight in them. Uh, but really, like in terms of like the actual like structure of the map and the routes you take and the dungeons along the path and the towns you find within them, they're kind of all the same in a sense. Um, also, maybe worth mentioning that there really are no like puzzles to speak of. You know, a lot of RPGs, you know, kind of to 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 put a little bit of variety and progression, there might be some simple puzzles you have to solve, or maybe yeah. branching paths, or uh, shortcuts you unlock, or things like that. There really isn't any of that. So there's a lot of battling. There's a lot of just kind of walking around the maps, kind of exploring and looking for treasure chests, like sometimes in hidden nooks and crannies. Um, but that's really about it. It actually does remind me kind of like uh, Bravely Default. Now I know it's not developed by the same team as Bravely Default. That was yeah. kind of a um, that was a miss. That was kind of misinformation when the game when the game was first announced. Marketing thing, yeah. But it actually kind of does share that similarity, which Bravely Default doesn't really have very many puzzle elements either. It's very combat focused. You have the job system in there. Yeah. Um, and then most of the actual exploration is either like. Bravely Default separates world map and dungeons, so it's a little different, but the dungeons are really just kind of these paths that you just kind of explore through with dead ends and things. There's no puzzles, or at least very few. Um, so it kind of does remind me that it has like the similar focuses where it's really focused on the job system, the combat. <laughs> yeah. When you get to the uh, towns, you're, you're kind of abusing path actions to get information, to get items, to get weapons. Um, I actually am kind of, I'm, I, I'm actually kind of digging it quite a bit. But for those who are maybe expecting something more like a classic Final Fantasy, it really isn't that. No. Um, it's, I mean, people compared it to more like Saga Frontier, and I totally get yeah. that. It's more like a Saga Frontier. It's, so, it's kind of weird in its design approach, uh, but it definitely has that thing where, yeah, it's like multiple stories being told. Sometimes the paths cross. Yeah. Uh, but even Saga had issues in terms of cohesiveness of the story, because even in the first Saga Frontier, people don't... Uh, fully remember this is that there was supposed to be another character that was supposed to bind all their stories together uh octopath and and that character was cut and so it was kind of like left out in the open there uh octopath traveler obviously it sounds like it has the some of those same issues where like they don't they may be traveling as a band but they don't communicate they don't talk to each other that much and that's it kind of reminds me of psychopathy a little bit so I, I get I get those comparisons but so far yeah it sounds like it's a, it's still a high quality experience though regardless yeah I mean, it is now. I have so I'm really like I'm really enjoying the game. It's like the type of kind of nerdy, like systems based RPG that I kind of attach to stats, but <laughs> lots of stats, yeah. right? Um, but there is one major criticism I have, and it, this it does seem just like a, a weird design decision on their part is um, character. You can only use four characters at a time. Um, in your bar, in your battle party, one of them, the one you start with, you have is locked to your party. Like you have to have them. Oh, I mean that's wow. okay. That's fine, but just to mention. But the thing is, like the, your characters that are in reserve, uh, they do they do not gain any exp at all. So that's okay. it. Kind of sucks when like I have like I've been doing this exploration with sort of what I call like an A team. You know, it's like I, I'm using. Um, 
uh, oh man, I don't even remember their names. I just have the, <laughs> the I have their jobs like the thief. The the, the uh, anyway, so it's Therion the thief, uh, Alfin the apothecary, uh, the dancer whose name I forget from Rose, and Ulrich the warrior. That, that's like my main team, and they're now around like level fifty, uh, which is a little bit overpowered. But the rest of my team is like stuck around level ten. Man, um, yeah, that's kind of a shame that that's... I mean, I don't assume there'll be a point when you have to, like... Kind of like Final Fantasy VI, we have to force yourself to use characters... Well, actually, have, but. this is a minor gameplay spoiler, but I don't think this is too bad, so I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Skip ahead about a minute if you don't really don't want to hear this. <laughs> um, this is a minor gameplay spoiler, but there is a kind of an ultimate final boss. It's sort of like a post-game, true-ending type of boss in this game once you've completed the eight different character stories uh, i haven't done it yet obviously so i don't really know if it's more of like a an essential thing or more just kind of like an extra thing if you really want to reach for it but that boss supposedly requires you to use all eight characters oh, um hmm. so you kind of have to at some point catch the rest of your team up now you could like take like what i'm planning on doing is once i get to that point i can take my high level characters like take three of them and then like kind of shove in one of my low-level characters (laughs) in that fourth slot and then just kind of hope they survive as i take on like a high-level enemy group and then they'll get you know the the exp that they'll get will be significant amount of bump them up you know probably several levels at a time constantly reviving them and stuff like that to make sure they stick (laughs) around for the end of it yeah um but that's but not just for that final boss but also just for doing these like character stories like for example I'm not really a big fan of Hannah in battle. Just uh, maybe I just haven't really experimented her en- with her enough to see what cool things she can do. I'm sure she can, but just I haven't really used her that much. Um, but in order to do her next story segment, I think it says her required levels like level 25, and she's level 10 because I just haven't used her. It'd be nice if like be- if I if it didn't really penalize me for not using her and at least gave her like half the XP or something. Um, it just kind of like why not? It just there's really no reason for it to 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 not give them any XP at all. No. So it, it it's just like a it's not a deal breaker, but just kind of like okay, why? Uh, so that's just how it is. Um, but yeah, it's a very like the way I would describe this game. Uh, it's very mechanical. It's very robotic. It's it's very kind of overly structured in a way like the world map is clearly delineated into like eight sections and each section has the same things so it doesn't really feel like a, a genuine like map of how an actual like world would be divided it's very gamey in a sense yeah but it kind of works um i will say out of the characters so far i already mentioned who my favorite who my battle party is it's kind of working for me uh if you haven't played the game yet i strongly recommend starting with theory and the thief just because Having him around all the time not only is useful for stealing, but he's pretty good uh, at debuffing in battle. So oh. he's actually really useful. Yeah. Uh, he, he, like, basically, before you break an enemy, you can lower their defense and they become, like, really uh, dam- they're easily damageable. But out of, like, the first eight story bits that I did, I really liked Ophelia's. Uh, she's the cleric. Oh, she's, uh, like, the happy go lucky one, isn't she? No, that's Tressa. Oh, Tressa. Tressa. Tressa's the merchant. She's like she's probably the youngest. She's kind of perky and happy. Yeah. All the time. Okay, that's the one I was thinking. Uh, of, sorry. And um, I mean, her opening is fine too. But I really like Ophelia's. It's got this siblinghood theme to it, which I've always had an affinity for. Um, it was, it's kind of really the most emotionally charged opening. I just kind of wanted to mention, like, I really like that 
sort of character style that it has. And honestly, I can kind of already see where some of the stories might have a little bit of a connection between the between the eight characters. But to be honest, I really wouldn't mind if they didn't like connect. Like I don't need it to like like build up some massive epic con- continuity storyline canon here. Like I'd be totally fine if it was just kind of like eight personal stories set in the same world. You know, that'd actually be a little bit refreshing to me. Yeah. Uh it kind of I I have seen some people compare the game to Valkyrie Profile cuz it's sort of not quite, but sort of has the same feel to the uh, to the uh, Ein Harriar vignettes that those stories have, where you learn about like yeah. a character and they have like a before you recruit them, they have like a little story that you sort of play out in Valkyrie Profile. Once you sort of finish it, then it's sort of done. Yeah, and then you have Lenneth's main story that's kind of the, driving the whole thing. But I do see where that comparison comes in. But yeah, I can definitely say I can definitely see where some of the criticisms come in in terms of maybe being a little bit too grindy or too repetitive, or the fact that it is so modular in how the characters work, uh, that the character interaction is a little bit sparse. So I, I totally see all that. Um, and I understand it, but to be honest, I'm just kind of enjoying the, the other aspects of the game plenty fine myself. Yeah. It seems like a game that you would really appreciate just because, like like me... Uh, you really enjoy sprite-based games, and that's exactly what this oh, yeah. is. So the aesthetic, I mean, if anything, it really sells the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the music is great too. Like, I don't even know yes. who the composer is. It's some, it's some, it's fresh blood. You know, it's someone who hasn't really had a huge project, as far as I know. Um, but the music is really solid. You know, both the battle tracks, um, like there's some cinematic music that plays in certain scenes. The area themes, it's all like really solid. And like I don't even know who the composer is. Yeah, um, I actually went to at... yeah I went to like a, a launch party for Octopath Traveler a few weeks ago uh, before the game came out, obviously, and uh, the night it did anyway. And they had a listening party where there were certain stations set up where you can put on a pair of headphones and just listen to the music. And I felt myself getting caught up in in the in the music itself. Uh, I felt like getting uh, you know I was getting lost in the music. It was amazing. I, I actually felt like even if I didn't have the context, it was relaxing. And then you get to the moments of intensity, and I just appreciated it uh, that more that much more because of it. So if anything, it does definitely sell the experience. It sounds like. Yeah, so uh, the I just looked it up because I was curious. The composer is Yasunori Nishiki. Um, Sounds familiar. I'm actually on their I'm actually on their website. Uh, it actually hasn't been updated recently. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, Anything? Sorry, any standout stuff that? Some mobile games, Lord of Vermilion. Oh, uh, Lord of Vermilion makes sense. They they have a bunch of like composers making yeah. music for that game though. So do you remember Never Dead? Yes, it's the one with the bodies, that awful game. Yeah, that game is shit. (laughs) Yeah, like, okay, there's World Soccer Winning Eleven, Frontier Gate, uh, Monster Birthday Orca Battle. Frontier Gate, I actually played Frontier Gate, so that sounds familiar, yes. So I'm assuming these are all, like, a lot of these are, like, mobile or browser games. Yes, Um, yeah, 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 pretty much. Except for, obviously, yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also did the, uh, oh, he actually did music for Grand Blue Fantasy, the anime. Uh, I've so. not seen the anime. Even if I'm a big fan of the game, I've yet to see the anime. But I'll take your word for it that it, it must be pretty good. Then, so, but yeah, just and overall, the anime orca battle. This <laughs> is based off the game orca battle. Yeah, mm-hmm. but overall, your experience has been pretty solid, though. Uh, pretty, yeah, pretty positive. it's it's the type of game where it's like I 
I do have some legitimate criticisms for some of the weird, some of the design things, and I totally see where other people are coming from. But it's actually like this. It's actually kind of like the style of RPG that um, you like. I tend to lean towards anyway. Uh, I'm not. I'm not always. I'm not. I'm not always like super invested into like epic storylines or really cinematic games or things like that. Um, so this game is kind of perfect. Uh, it's you know for me. That's what, but I, I'm enjoying it. Awesome. So uh, it sounds like you're going to be invested in that game for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I have really no idea, no or no intention to. Uh, I'll, I'm, I'm going to play this to the end. Like as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'll get back yeah. to it. Yeah, I think this is important that we have this conversation because we didn't really get a chance on the podcast to talk about the game before, but it's been a couple of weeks, and so yeah. we wanted to at least kind of delve into it just a bit because it sounds like this is going to be pretty much uh, our entire conversation regarding that game outside of the stuff on the site. So Yeah, yeah. so uh, I know I've been talking about this game for a bit here. I just kind of wanted to, I guess, specifically mention some of Josh's uh, he was the he was the he was, he's the one who reviewed it for our website. Yeah. Um, and if you read his review, it's it kind of is it, it's it's of two minds. Like he also really enjoyed like the job system, the battle system, and especially noted the game's bosses. Like some of those bosses are it's it's not especially an especially easy game. So like some of the bosses, it's it feels really satisfying to you know manipulate your your party and your jobs and your equipment and all that and mess with things like buffs and status effects to take out these bosses. It's, it's actually really well done. Uh, and he really liked the combat there too. Um, but his review is also very critical on like lack of character interaction, um, repetitiveness and things like that. Um, so he, he might like, I think, I think I've talked to Josh a little bit about it. Like he also enjoys the game, but he, you know, these were things that did disappoint him and I totally see where he's coming from with those. Yeah, the boss battles are especially cool because you've got like these tiny sprites for all the characters, and then these bosses are these gigantic sprites. Yeah, and the contrast is incredible, just because you can still see the pixely style to it, but the art style is just so—it really sells that whole game, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, well, if if that's the case, yeah, uh, Octopath Traveler definitely. Yeah, you can everyone can check out Josh, Josh's review up on the site if they want to learn more about that. Uh, definitely. I mean, yeah, he was a little more critical than others, but that's, you know, all the points that he brought up, if you're echoing them, then all of it was very much justified. And I myself look forward to playing that game eventually. Uh, for me, I wrapped up XCOM 2. Uh, I talked about uh, a lot of it on the last podcast, so I'll just say that it continued uh, to be pretty badly optimized all the way to the end of the game. Uh, I experienced a lot of bugs, a lot of lagging, a lot of glitches, and it even crashed a few times on the final mission, which is horrible, uh, because not only does that take me out of what was a really exciting sequence, uh, but it takes around... Start over? No, it it auto-saves after you encounter enemies or, like, certain sequences, but... um, so, but it takes me about five or six minutes, and I'm not joking, it takes me around that much time just to get back into it. I could tell because... Uh, it auto saved before it crashed, and then by the time I loaded back in, I could see what time it was, and it was yeah. uh, real damn shame um, because I was having a great time with it. Uh, and there, the stuff that they do, especially to your personal character in the final mission, I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, it makes it great because you you become really uh, you become your team just becomes that much better. Uh, and I was actually playing throughout the whole game in a self imposed Iron Man mode. Um, 
I didn't actually choose the setting, oh, yeah. but like uh, I, I'm glad at least I didn't like rely on on that. I mean, I, I had to rely on the save because of the crash and stuff like that. But I only saved between missions. Uh, it only, I mean, it. I relied on the auto saves between missions, but I still relied on if a character died, they died. You know, I could not bring them back. I was fortunate enough that by the way that I played, I'm actually okay at strategy games, and so I was able to survive. Most of my party was able to survive all the different missions. Uh, without having to worry about you know some massively important character on my team uh, biting the dust, and so yeah. I was able to like yeah take most of them all the way through to the end, uh, and they all were fantastic. I had a great time, and I had some really memorable moments uh, taking out enemies. Like one of my favorite things is that one of the skills you can learn as a sniper is what's called like lightning hands, which allows you to take a free turn where you shoot somebody with your pistol, and then you can follow that up with this other skill that they have, which is that. It's like a gunslinger sniper where like any enemies that are within sight of like a, a like an area, uh, you can use your pistol and just shoot them all one at a one at a time, uh, and that really helped a lot, especially at the final missions where a lot of enemies are kind of huddled together, and that was uh, pretty damn incredible. And I also had moments where I was able to like one of my. Uh, uh, you can have a specialist that can hack into enemy robots and sentries. And so I was able to take like a heavy mech that was on an enemy team, giving me a really hard time, hacked into them, took control of them, and just turned around and just started uh, killing all the different enemies that were giving me such trouble uh, to begin with. And so that was um, some exciting moments from there. The final mission was kind of like a little bit of, I wouldn't say like a boss rush, but it kind of felt like it because they kept... Uh, summoning more and more enemies that i had to take care of but once i got that done uh the ending cinematic was very satisfying and it made me excited to see what whatever xcom 3 is going to be it's been a couple years since that game came out so that we might be on the edge of something being announced they did just put out an expansion pack uh late last year though so still could be a while before that happens um yeah like i've never played xcom but like it basically seems like Western military sort of fire emblem. Um, yes, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, without the, I mean, I know not exactly, tiles. but, but yeah. like, uh, so. And I, I'm a pretty big fire emblem fan, so I, I, I know, like, if I ever got around to it, I'd probably enjoy it a lot. Yeah, a lot of base building <laughs> stuff. Yeah, a lot of like technology skill trees. Yeah, there's a lot of base building yeah. things uh, that you have to like, you know, build certain rooms to increase the power that you have, uh, but also uh, like. You have to uh, unlock new technology. You also have to like uh, build like these communication towers to uh, go around the. Basically, like the whole game, you're going around the world trying to build up these different outposts to kind of force the uh, the uh, the antagonist of the game back uh, because they're trying to take over the world. And so that that's the whole uh, thing you're supposed to be doing until eventually, of course, you, everything comes to a head and you have to you know have like this big showdown uh, at the end of the game. But yeah, the whole time there's a lot of a lot of struggling going going on and it, it was very fun outside of the technical issues i assume it's a lot better on pc anyway but this was free on playstation plus so it was an easy uh play for me but yeah i would i would highly recommend this game it's a lot of fun uh, if not for that of those problems mm-hmm. uh aside from that i also reviewed uh shimigami tensei liberation dx2 for the site now i have not a whole lot of experience with shimigami tensei to be honest a lot of my experiences with persona uh, I played three and four. I didn't beat three. I only played a little bit of that, but I beat four. And but I was definitely familiar with the different mechanics, uh, not just from you guys talking about it because uh, we've covered all the other games on the site, but also just my own experience seeing that stuff in action. 
So uh, for a mobile game, it's a free-to-play mobile game uh, that's available now, people interested, uh, that is very well made. Uh, it's got a very stylish UI that you know you kind of expect from a team like this, uh, people that really pride themselves in that. It's got a lot of the same mechanics that you'd expect from a Shin Megami Tensei game, such as the, uh, the combat. You're not fighting alongside your demons. They're basically your party itself. You have like a, a different party members that are all the demons. There's fusion. There's con- uh, conversations uh, that you can have with the demons to recruit them. There's actually a thing where it's like it's got a gotcha system or a summoning system where you know you can use gems to summon monsters, but you don't get a free roll each uh, day or whatever. Like a lot of other games, you rely uh, more mostly on the fusion and the communication stuff to get new uh, monsters into your party or new demons into your party. So that's that's like the big thing right there. Uh, but also it has the press turn system, which with the blinking and stuff, like where like each turn costs a whole uh, a, a whole action point. But if you manage to like hit a right. critical hit or like take advantage of a weakness, it can make uh, it can give you an extra turn uh, to take care yeah, of an enemy that way. So it's yeah. So that sounds like that sounds pretty directly. A lot of the SMT games have a variation on that system, but that sounds like pretty close to the. SMT Nocturne Digital Devil Saga style. Yeah, it's it's definitely even the graphics. It reminds me a lot of Nocturne. Uh, I wouldn't say so much as Digital Devil Saga because it's got its own kind of things, but definitely Nocturne. I would say is is what it reminded me. And I have played some Nocturne, so at least I, I was familiar with that. Uh, but yeah, it had a lot of this, uh, the cool stuff about it. Uh, and it, I think that the story is kind of underwhelming, so I could use some work there. But you know, there'll be hopefully future events. I also did an interview with the producer of the game and. Uh, you know, one of the complaints I heard coming out of Japan was that there wasn't a lot of story events going on, but it sounded like they were trying to focus on getting the game out over here first, and maybe they'll, now they'll really focus in, because the game came out earlier this year in Japan, and so it makes some sense that there's not a whole lot to look forward to at the, uh, up until now. Uh, so, But just just from the aesthetics alone and from the uh, all the... Uh, it's a really mechanics-driven game, uh, like you'd want to have from a Megami Tensei title, especially if it's like if you compare it to like a PS2 entry. So uh, people who are into the series might want to give it a try because it's not uh, egregious about the way it uh, delivers its freedom of play mechanics outside of like some pop-ups. Like every time you start the app, it tells you, you want to buy this? Uh, but once you close out of that stuff, it's it you're pretty much focused on just progressing through the game and uh, fusing a bunch of different monsters. And it can get super deep on that stuff too, like trying to... Uh, uh, share, uh, inherit different skills and things like that. It, it really gets deep into that those stuff. And once again, just the user interface really sells the game itself. It's really nice to look at. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of been my experience with that game. I don't know if you're interested at all in that stuff, Adam. The I mean, I don't know. Just like I'm a big SMT fan, just not you know. There are enough SMT games out there where you might not want to play a free-to-play mobile game, but no, I mean, like, how, like, I, I don't want to be like snarky or anything, but when, like, when I hear about this game is on a mobile device and it's like this gotcha style, like, I, it almost might as well not exist for me. Like, oh, okay, um, yeah, I'll just wait for the next one. Yeah, like, it just Shimigami I'm just not Ten- interested. Yeah, Five is coming out uh, hopefully sometime next year, but uh, I wonder what team is working on that. I wonder if it's like the. Uh, didn't they already announce well, some guess, like the lead people? Like uh, I, I don't know if they did. Like, well, like I'm just saying, there's the team that made there's the team that made SMT four, and then they made Apocalypse. So I don't know if they're jumping onto it, or if it's going to be like the team that made Double Survivor, who then made Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and now they may be jumping onto it. That they have more maybe the more console experience with the Wii U. I don't know. 
So. I would assume it's it's like maybe all the big hitters, all hands on deck, because it's not like they're... I assume they're yeah. making a Persona 6 right now because it's been enough time where they could be working on that. But I imagine it'll probably be the Devil Survivor team. Uh, that's that's probably my guess on that. Because uh, mm-hmm. this is this is a, a different team entirely that's, that worked on the mobile game. And so it's not yeah. like they're being... In fact, uh, I'm pretty sure it's not technically Atlas at all. It's Sega. Oh. Like It's a Sega team. Obviously, Sega owns Atlas now. But this is actually like the first time they basically took an Atlas property and basically licensed it to a different developer within Sega and, you know, used it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not even the same artist or anything like that. You can tell easily from the screenshots. Yeah. It's a different uh, artist, too. So, yeah, uh, hopefully that game that game will continue to grow for people who are interested in, in free to play mobile games like that. Or at least want to get a, uh, that type of experience on the go. That's where that is. Lastly, though, I want to talk about No Man's Sky because they just put out the big uh, next update. Now, it's my first time ever playing No Man's Sky. Um, obviously, hearing all the bad stuff that happened around the launch of the game from a couple years ago, uh, it turned me off of wanting to play it at the time. But it's been crazy to see a game that's been getting such a huge turnaround in public opinion uh, because this is a team that uh, you can even tell from the interviews that Sean Murray who leads up the team at, at uh, Hello Games, who made No Man's Sky, talking about how it was very... I w- <laughs> uh, humbling would be an understatement, uh, but it was eye-opening because uh, they... Uh, not only did they have to deal with that, but they were constantly getting things like death threats uh, and, and all, like a lot of harassment online for people. So they basically shut all that out and just focused on building the game that they wanted to all along. It took a couple years but and a bunch of major updates, but with this... It just seems like everybody's super happy about it. Uh, it's funny because even the Twitter accounts like, "Hey, we're mixed now." Like the Steam reviews went from very negative to mixed, and now everyone's super happy about that over at the team, which is kind of a uh, an odd thing. But that's you know good for them, regardless. Uh, but, I think I, yeah, this type of game is kind of cool. To like, I'm not even playing it, but like just following along on my Twitter feed, lots of people are playing it, and sort of you know. It's a single-player game. with a mul- It has a multiplayer mode now, though, right? Yeah, yeah. You can have up to three other players with you, but it's still the, kind of the same experience. It's not like you're interacting. Some, it's not like it's something yeah. an MMO. It's still very much like you're on your own, but now you've got a few other people along with you. Yeah, but like, how do I put this? I don't know if this is the right term here, but it's like almost like like people are like having this asynchronous sort of uh, experience with the game where everyone plays it because of its, you know, the way the planets and the universes are generated. Everyone's experience is different. So when they're yeah. sharing it, like I just, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of amusing in a sense. Like some people are like, Oh, I, I, I started up the game and I'm on some fire toxic lava planet. And it's that's, asking me if it wants to, if it wants to do, if it wants me to do tutorials here. Yeah. Like I got this really serene, uh, you know, bluish purple, like, like forestry planet. And it's like a lot more calm uh, and just people like kind of posting screenshots of like their different experiences, kind of, kind of like everyone's experiencing it, it separately, but at the same time, um, yeah. together in a way. So it's it's kind of like even though I'm not playing the game, just seeing people like, like kind of chronicle or log their 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 playthroughs is kind of fun. Yeah, I mean everything's procedurally generated uh, down to the atoms, and so it's definitely a game where everyone's experience will undoubtedly be, be different there's definitely some scripted events uh, which i'll get into uh but yeah like i mean my first planet i landed onto was one that was a super hot spicy planet and so it was during the day it'd be getting up to 130 degrees uh and during the night i get some reprieve so i was constantly having to get like uh 
materials to charge up my hazard suit because otherwise I'd have to deal with losing health quite often. So it was a very intense opening for a person who just wanted to get into it for the first time. And that was a big struggle. And then the next planet I went to was a, uh, a desert planet. And, and the next one after that had acid rain. And so I was dealing with these constant, like, you know, hazardous planets that I had to put up with. But it's gotten to the point now that my ship's up to the point where I, I don't have to worry about that. Because if I'm in trouble, I can just hop off that planet real quick and get to a better one. And I recently got to a planet that's very, you know, um, uh, very calm, very uh, very easy to uh, play uh, and, and uh, very moderate weather, which was nice. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's been getting pretty exciting because... Uh, every planet that I've been to, there's always at least like a dozen things that kind of catch my eye and I want to take pictures. And like you were talking about, seeing this on social media, uh, because you want to kind of share with everybody these crazy cool uh, moments that you experience. And one of the fascinating things is just the, just that, um, you know, you'll, you'll have these moments that you want, you want to just take a picture and talk about what's going on. It's a very meditative experience in that, in that sense. Uh, cause it's, it's a way for you to sort of relax uh, there's no real rush. You can follow the uh, prompts mm-hmm. the game gives you, but otherwise, you're kind of left to your own device and just go around all these different planets, talking to different people. One of the things it has you do is talk to a bunch of different aliens, and they all have their own little quirks. They're talking about, like, you know, they give you advice if you want, or you can barter with them, you can trade with them. They also give you directions about where to find, like, an outpost uh, to uh, trade. Uh, with other people and get to know uh, just their universe and there's all these different species and races to get to uh, to get to know as well so you'll you'll come across a race that no one else has seen before which is pretty amazing uh and you know the and the part of this next update to kind of bring it back a little bit is that so yeah they they added a bunch of different things like uh they improved the base building functions which was added in a, a, a major update that was post-launch so even base building wasn't a thing until uh until that happened uh but also like better graphics. Uh, so the I, as far as I can tell, based on what someone said, is that that the planets didn't have clouds until uh, this update, and so it really adds a lot to the to the view that you get. And yeah, the, the multiplayer modes that you talked about. Uh, what was also added was uh, freighter armadas. So I was on this mission before this podcast. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, freighters. What freighters? Oh, like. I, I, I like I heard the sound coming out of your mouth, but I like for some reason <laughs> what? couldn't parse what you said. Like I heard like freighter armada, I'm like oh freighter, freighter, freighter armada. Yeah, like I, like I just heard like a bunch of syllables in a row. I'm like I have a I have a speech impediment. It just took me, so, a, sorry. It just took me a second to, to yeah. parse what you said. Okay, so so like freighters, so like yeah. like really big ships or what? Yeah, but armadas as well. So freighter armadas. Yes. So oh, okay. what happened was that before this podcast, um, I was uh, tasked with saving this fre- uh, freighter uh, that was being attacked by a bunch of these uh, enemy pirate ships. And so after I saved them, uh, the captain of the ship uh, contacted me from my, from my own ship and just said, hey, come aboard, I want to talk to you about something. And so I landed my ship on the freighter, walked up to where his the command room was, and he basically said, uh, fuck it, uh, uh, this is too stressful, why don't you take control? <laughs> so uh, he basically just uh, gave me full control over this entire armada that he has. Um, and, you know, there's like, uh, apparently this is, like I mentioned before, this is a scripted event, but there are different freighters that you can get, uh, different scales of them. Apparently mine is kind of like in the middle. 
uh, which is perfectly fine because I was this was kind of it shocked me that I was been given this much responsibility uh, early on. Like I'm only about four or five hours to the game, and so um, I had this control of this gigantic freighter, uh, and it can hold uh, merchant cruisers. So like during the game, like it tells you you can like build up a, a bif- different modules on this freighter to do things like send out ships to do like these trade missions and things like that. Uh, but the merchant cruiser, uh, you're only given one to start with. The one I got was called the Breath of Fire, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it was a really cool, uh, cool thing, uh, like a tip of the hat or something. But um, <laughs> it was really neat, and, and yeah, like, I, I've taken so many pictures so far, and just uh, a lot of these planets are just drop dead gorgeous. Uh, like I don't have a very beefy rig or anything like that, so I was, but I'm still able to play the game perfectly fine. Uh, and it's just cool being able to like go from space land on a planet and then take off again go out into space like way back when um when battlefront was being still developing the star wars battlefront 3 was being made the original yeah. 3 uh, they talked about they had built up this technology where you could fly i think it was like pandemic i think it was like pandemic or something i forget the pandemic. yeah yeah they had developed this technology where you could take off and fly out into space and have these you know space fights uh but they were obviously weren't able to do that before they got shut down but no man's sky not that i'm comparing this to star wars even if it's got some comparisons uh it just it's an awesome experience flying through space then going down into a planet breaking through the atmosphere landing on there picking up any supplies you need and just taking off again it's just really neat to be able to do that and then flying between different galaxies uh it's just like i said it's very meditative experience and i've been having a, a blast with it and i highly recommend it for anyone who wants to you know have a game they can really relax with and, and just enjoy and soak everything in because uh despite the launch issues it's like they clearly built a incredible game that's extremely ambitious uh even if it didn't like maybe keep up with some of those promises that they had made they've clearly made up for a lot of that stuff and they're getting that much closer to like their the uh, you know their ideal uh, version of whatever they wanted to make and you know gotta you know uh hats off to them for being able to pull that off uh, despite all the bad publicity and bad press a lot of it's self-imposed of course you know sean murray with his foot in his mouth sometimes but it's yeah. still pretty damn incredible that you were able to do something like this and these these are free updates you know they're not charging you dlc like some other studios do for like expansion packs like next is a free update and you're able to like ridiculously expand on the game like that it's part of the reason like a lot of indie studios don't do multiplayers because it's it's way too much work being able to maintain the servers and all this stuff but they put it in there. And so far, I've heard some pretty good experiences from that. So, uh, you know, right now, I think you get the game for like like 30 bucks, if not less. And it's definitely worth it. I think it's on Xbox One as well. Uh, so, you know, uh, fantastic game. I-, I highly recommend it. And I just can't get enough of it. And I, 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 I go to bed thinking about that game. And I wake up wanting to play it immediately. And that's just, it's kind of got its hooks in me. So, uh Definitely, definitely uh, a cool game, especially for this bit of a lull that we have before, uh, you know, the release schedule picks back up here uh, going from August into the end of the year. So it's something you can come back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that, w- that we got a lot of that stuff out of the way here. Let's get into the news of the week. Uh, like I mentioned before, very little to talk about. Uh, uh, so the, the a few things that actually didn't put something here that... Um, a uh, bit of a disappointment one, but well, let's get into some good news first before we get into the bad news. Uh, the good news, one I thing. Even, I don't even know what you're referring to. Oh, it's news. something we talked to a little bit last last week, but uh, we had something right. revealed. But let's talk about um, something that was just uh, dropped a little bit ago today. Atlas is teasing a new Etrian Odyssey game. 
yeah. So like, it, it, it I think it was the, the timing is a little bit unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. So they previously said that a train Odyssey cross. Actually, I, th- I think yeah, it's it's a train Odyssey cross, so it's yeah. got that X. Yeah, yeah. But it actually they they also they they do consider it the tenth game because if you count all the remakes and spinoffs, it is the tenth game. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's all, weird. You know, so yeah. it's both. It it's both. A, it's both a Roman numeral X and a cross. But um, that's coming out in Japan like next week, August second. Um, localization, I assume, will happen um, eventually. Just these take a while, but uh. They put up a, a like a short thirty second teaser, basically saying like the next stage of Etrian Odyssey, um, and then the uh, the game the director for most of the games uh, Shigeo Komori, I believe bit, had a little comment that he put out on on the Twitter feed uh, in the blog I think basically saying thank you for all of uh, all the fan support over the last ten years and Etrian Odyssey is moving forward you know just so you know just so you know so please be patient. Um, <laughs> So it, I mean, the obvious assumption here is that it's gonna—they're gonna translate to Switch somehow. Uh, we talked about this before. Um, how will will they take this opportunity to maybe shake it up a bit? Because the thing about Etrian Odyssey is a lot, a lot of the games do play really similarly to each other. Not that yeah. that's necessarily a bad thing. That's just kind of the style of game it is. But on Switch, maybe they can do something a little bit more with it. Maybe they'll just make it higher resolution Etrian Odyssey as it is now uh, somehow. With a slightly different mapping system, obviously, because you don't have the dual screens anymore. Yeah, that's, but, the, that's the weird part. But I also wonder if this is a bit of a. I also wonder if this is a bit of like a like a recruitment pledge too. Like, hey, we need some people who can yeah to join our Etrian Odyssey team to do to do development for this next stage. Is that what is what they called it? So it's hard to say when we'll actually get something more concrete, like what this actually is in terms of a game. I mean. Between Odyssey Cross isn't out yet. It's out next week, uh, so this might be a really early, you know, teaser. But yeah, we know it's not ending with Cross. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. glad that this is happening because this felt like it was a um, a travesty that a game like it did not appear on the Wii U. Like, as far as I can tell, I remember there weren't any dungeon crawlers on the on the Wii U, and there weren't any like. Um, there definitely weren't any like strategy RPGs or tactical RPGs I could think of, which would have been perfect for a system like that, because um, there's clearly a lot of mobile devices. And they seem like those games tend to tend to run pretty well, like Phantom of the, uh, the Kill and Fire Emblem Heroes and stuff like that. That it would definitely fit um, for a platform like that. And I'm glad that at least that they're moving on and, and doing something with it. As you said, it could be that it's going to get a nice boost. It could be sort of like. Um, they could do with it like they did with Fire Emblem before, uh, with uh, when they had console entries for that, like make it yeah more high resolution. But I, I love the art for Etrian Odyssey, so it'd be kind of a shame if they did that too. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess, uh, what they plan on doing with that. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited either way because uh, it just means another great title showing up on the Switch. Like we just said, Shin Megami Tensei Five is a Switch game too. So it's uh, next year if this is the plan is for next year, just like SMT Five. It's a yet another packed year for them, so I'm, I'm excited to hear more about that. Uh, the next piece of news that we've got here is that after 
what's it been, over four months of no news at all whatsoever regarding any sort of DLC plans for it, Ben and Emko finally shared details about what season pass holders of Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom were going to be getting. And so they went into uh, uh, some of the stuff that will be happening. Uh, there'll be three DLC packs, uh, two DLC that's, uh, one, one, uh, excuse me, there's going to be an adventure pack DLC along with two uh, season pass DLCs is actually what the, what the plan is going to be here. And the first DLC is what they're touting as uh, a new challenge where they're going to be adding uh, uh, new floors to the faraway forest cave, two new bosses, Blackheart and Zeta, uh, new quests, uh, and new costumes and other awards to be shared with that too. Uh, all, this will be um, the adventure pack free. itself. Will be free. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is not the deal. This is not season pass content. No. This is literally just like an update. Um, it's like post game stuff. You know, the game kind yeah. of already had like a post game, like a, a dungeon. Bit, yeah. The 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 tenth dreamer's door in the game is sort of a post game dungeon, and yeah. like for example, that's the only place in the game you can get some of the rare material items to craft some of the highest level equipment um but now they're basically uh they might have said how many floors they're adding but basically they're adding more floors to that dungeon just like hey we're, we're doing more post game more bosses more items more you know loot and then your reward might be more will be more costumes yeah uh, yeah yeah it, it's cool. it's cool it's cool because they not long ago they added uh new difficulty levels and that's just also one of the bigger complaints about the game and that's just what it needed yeah but as far as the season pass dlc is concerned uh people have to wait a little bit longer which is a shame uh maybe they didn't know what they wanted to do to the game and they and it's a lot of work but uh the first actual season pass dlc it looks like there's only two which is kind of a shame based on how much the season pass costs but uh the first dlc will be out this winter and it just says it'll be a new enigmatic dungeon for players to explore uh a cryptic dungeon facing increasingly stronger enemies while trying to reach its deepest level so it sounds like it'll just be like a challenge tower but going down uh which is kind of what the uh what the um what the doors were so i don't know what, what exactly the plan is here I think the more exciting bit of it is that uh, the other DLC, which will be out sometime in early 2019, will be actual a story expansion uh, with a plenty of new exciting content. But they would not elaborate further on that. Uh, we had some screenshots, but that's from the uh, that's from the uh, the adventure pack, and so we don't know what what they actually are planned for that too. So. Uh, Unless I'm kind, of, I'm hopeful. As someone who yeah. reviewed and loved the original game, uh, I'm hopeful. At the same time, this sounds like it's a bit of a letdown in terms of what they plan on doing. Like the post-launch uh, support for Nino Kuni Two has been uh, kind of bland, but I don't know exactly how much they could do to a game like that. So I'm not terribly shocked by that. I just think that um, really, uh, it's 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 kind of I find it kind of dumb sometimes when I see. Uh, publishers putting out a season pass for a game and then they go months without anything for it it's just like yeah, it, i paid more for this really what <laughs> so and also like so i got the season pass just because why not yeah i, I mean like i i am very bad with money and stuff so like i bought it at least you're honest you know um it's twenty dollars yeah and for the longest time all we knew about it was it had two content updates that's it like we didn't know what they were we didn't know when they were coming or even like a general like idea of what they were and then like you said and we've been talking about months and nothing like where these like no idea what they are whatsoever and even now when they kind of gave us a time frame when they're coming 
like it's we know it's a dungeon and a story thing and that's still not a whole lot to go off of and like twenty dollars so you, or another sense like ten dollars each will it be worth it my guess is probably not uh it's so it's weird because we're in this uh, era where season pass DLC is is important to people. Uh, but you know, going back to like you know the way it used to be, it's like uh, like the, even the uh, the press release talked about you know like the first DLC talking about a new dungeon and trying to reach the deepest levels. The journey will be difficult, but the reward will surely be worth it. Because if you put it with the context, like I already beat the game, like what the, what's the reward going to be that's going to make me want to like oh I got to play through the game again or something like shocking or something incredible? Well, it's like I'd want if. If anything, I would only want new story content because that just means you know something actual uh, significant can happen after the the events of the original game, and that's more exciting than you know just uh, some items. You know, hopefully it's it is what they say it is, and it's something significant. It kind of depends. Like Xenoblade Chronicles Two, um, I had a lot of fun with the challenge mode they added for that, and that challenge mode, I mean. The challenge itself is, you know, is satisfying in a way just to just to conquer it in a sense. But you do get yeah. like in Xenoblade, your reward, like a tangible, tangible quote, air quotes, uh, reward is that you can get a um, like palette swap sort of costumes for your characters. <laughs> uh, well, at least with you know, uh, Xenoblade, they've been adding uh, characters. You know, like the, the voice. There are new blades and things yeah. like that too. It's more than Nino Kuni too. Almost kind of similar to what you were saying. Like, like I, I actually played the the most recent update and got the most late, the latest blade, and I literally like that night got the blade and powered them up to max. And like, okay, that was fun. What am I gonna do with them? <laughs> I mean that's that's fair. I I can definitely see that. And you know, part of the appeal, as you said, it's the satisfaction to be able to accomplish something so challenging. Um, and so we'll have to wait and see. I don't. I mean, I I don't speculate like this and be so negative on it. I, I just I hope that it's something important because if we you have to wait what nine months potentially nine in plus you know maybe an entire year before you get some of this content like you'd hope that they put some real work into it because the base game was pretty good um but the, there was some trouble with it and i and i hope that they do something extra because it's it was a shorter game than the original nino kuni which you know to be fair that was a a game plus an expansion combined to make the white witch because it was a ds game originally uh but we'll have to wait and see i suppose i just thought that that was um it's it's cool that they put it out because I think people are getting very anxious about it and demanding refunds, and they're finally putting out some details about it. I don't know if it's that they're putting it out now because they're getting pressured about it, but uh, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. But um, uh, I don't. Did, did you yeah, actually I, have uh, a date for the adventure pack? Did it? Oh, August. 9th. No, it was August. August yeah. Yeah, August ninth. New floors and bosses. The uh, far away forest cave. Dream. The dreamer's door. Yeah, that's. You know, the new cave could might as well be a dreamer's door as well, but we'll have to wait and see because that's that was a challenge area, so we'll see. The last piece of news that I did not put here, but was a disappointment, was Idola Fantasy Star Saga. So it seems like it was so long ago oh, because it happened yeah. just after the podcast. So last week I was being pretty optimistic, hoping that you know, you know, hey. If it's a mobile game, but it's still a new Fantasy Star, I'd still be happy about it because, you know, people were really down on Shin Megami Tensei 4 being a DS exclusive. Um, a 3DS... Was it DS or 3DS? <laughs> 3DS? 3DS. Okay, it's, it's been so, so long. Um, but, yeah, they were bummed about it, but... People still thought it was like a quality experience. I'm sure that... I mean, there were definitely some problems with it, with like uh, the blinking and stuff like that. But, like, people seemed up on it anyway uh, for being what it was. But this is... Um, for lack of a better phrase, it's a bit of a ripoff. <laughs> of fake I also think order. it's especially funny that this was being marketed as like 
the thirtieth anniversary oh thing. God, so like that's that's like totally marketing like the grognards, the, the old fans. the old warrior. <laughs> Like the, the the people who played the originals back in the nineteen nineties, like, and then the, they announced the Idol game, which is like a totally different demographic. So it's kind of like, okay. It's it's a, okay. So there's a, there's a number of problems that immediately happened uh, that uh, came about because of this. So when the when Fantasy Star Online was released, uh, I remember back then people were kind of bummed because it's like, oh, we're not going to do Fantasy Star because the the four games. Uh, that were released on like the mega on 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 the Genesis and the Master System. The start of the Master System went into the Genesis era. Uh, like they were incredible games. Like I know you've not played them, but they are they were fascinating titles that to me still hold up very well. At least in terms of story, gameplay is a different matter because you know there's archaic. It's like playing the first fantasy upon a fantasy. It's kind of hard to say great things about that part of it. Um, but you know, for what it's worth, like I still really enjoy the story and the characters. And so you have like this really strong connection with them. Um, but then here comes Sega out of nowhere, as you said, saying that this is the 30th anniversary title, so you have to make something significant to honor it. This looks like it has absolutely like no connection to Fantasy Star outside of the Adola, which is a phrase that's been used, to be fair, in the past. Like If you do a Google search for Fantasy Star Online music tracks, they mention Adola in the past. But even then, you go to the message boards from around that time, Early two thousands, uh, like Game Facts and stuff like that, they were still con- they were also confused about what it meant. Apparently, there's like a biblical reference about it, but that was kind of speculation, so they still don't know. So Dark Falls is in this. They, the reference that you know the Idola are kind of like these uh, these demons that are like offspring or are spawns of Dark Falls. So that they're kind of get into this, uh, but like the characters themselves, it's very much pandering even some of the characters themselves like the people you can recruit look like they're straight up from fake grand order uh like the one of the characters looks like uh, archer <laughs> which is oh my god one of the one of the main characters in fake grand order anyway uh but the battle system looks like exactly the same uh from that too like even the way that the the ui looks the main character it's it's kind of a shame as well because the way she's portrayed so one of the great things about fantasy star the original fantasy star is that they did a lot of things for the first time uh, like they had a female protagonist in the first game they also in the second game had uh, uh an openly gay character which they uh to be fair edited uh, and, and the localization, which is a shame, but that's like if we're talking about the original Japanese release, it was pretty great. Uh, they were able to do something like that at a time when that was still, you know, especially in Japan, uh, even now, really, uh, is something that is kind of unheard of. And so they did like, these really strong characters. It didn't matter what gen you are, even what species, I guess, what you are. They were like these really interesting characters. And now you've got the this main character, this girl, this woman, I should say. Who has a helmet she puts on and to be str- uh, makes her strong and strong willed and, and prideful and, and uh, a great leader, but then she takes it off and all of a sudden she has a shy demeanor and you know very you know uh, nervous around other people. It's like, are you kidding me? A, a helmet? It's like master emotions or something like, and, and the way and it makes her like embarrassed to the point that she's like she's blushing all the time and she's fidgety and nervous like. Give me a freaking break! This is garbage. I I I despise the fact that they did this to to this series because it's this is not what the series is about, and it it bums me out to know when that they took what the, what was originally a mature story, a dark, mature at times grim story uh, that had some really like 
shocking moments of what happened to some of these characters in the original, uh, you know, tetralogy, tetralogy, uh, the original four games. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it's know hard to say. Like, quadrilogy, which is not the correct way, but I'll say it because it's easier to say. Uh, it, it's like it, it was. It was great, but this looks like it's just trying to you know profit off of the success of Fate Grand Order. Like Sega just came in and said, "Hey, how can we make it easy and, and make a quick buck?" And that's uh, that's not how you treat a series like this. Fate Star Online Two. Put that aside for now. The fact that it's not been localized, you can understand the logistics behind trying to build like a huge network farm in the West. Uh, hiring a bunch of people to handle the networking and the and the you know the GMs and all these people customer service while also competing with like Final Fantasy fourteen and uh, free to play games like Elder Scrolls Online and you know also World of Warcraft of course huge gigantic still uh, trying to compete with that it makes sense that that game has had so much trouble convincing uh, the higher ups that it should be brought over to the West even if they did tease it at PAX uh, that that makes sense this is a free to play mobile game uh, and it just it's 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 a disgraceful. Like that's uh, the only thing I can think of is like this is a disgrace to this. It's a blemish, and I I, I don't care what the quality of the game is. Like I can't play it without cringing, uh, and I don't think that's how you treat a series like this. Like I, I think better of it. And this is coming from somebody who still like loves Grand Blue Fantasy because it's like it's a good way to make a game. Like for the most part, it was an original pr- presentation that's high quality. This is uh, like uh, a. This is sad, <laughs> is all I can think of. And despite, like, it's got some good pedigree anyway, because you've got, like, uh, Shuntaro Tanaka, who's, like, who worked on Valkyrie Chronicles and Sakura Wars, and you got Tomamasa Chan, who worked on Fantasy Star Online 2, and, uh, you know, the artist as well, like, the art director of Fantasy Star Online 2 working on this, but, like, it's just, it's garbage <laughs> I, I can't say it otherwise then it's 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 uh, i don't care like it's it's weird because like i typically don't like to pass judgment on a game before playing it but just from the offset it's it's such a turnoff like i know adam of course you don't care about these games anyway to begin with so it's or at least you don't, you have no interest in them in any case but like, i just think i i think the like, there are like j- besides the fact that it is this sort of anime-ish, gotcha-style it game. It is anime-ish. It's anime to hell, is what it is. That's well, not what Fancy Star Online like, was. I mean, I know there, but there's a ton of those. But I think the fact that makes it, like, more egregious, in a sense, is the fact that they were advertising it as a 30th anniversary title. That's, so, like, that's why. They should have advertised it in a different way. If Like, they should have maybe said, like, just Fantasy Star New Project, rather than, like, trying to, like, you know, be, like, some sort of anniversary project. Because that sort of implies, at least to me, you know, some sort of like callback to people who are familiar with the onsets of the series um, and, you know, the origins and like something, you know, like really an older fan base. Um, I mean, they could have also the fact that the fact that not, that it is a gotcha title. that seems to be sort of aping off another one. So, 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 so dramatically rather than just kind of doing, it's trying to be its own thing is also, it's like those, those two elements uh, are what makes it just, more disappointing to me and i'm not even a fantasy star fan like if this was just like oh another gotcha game from sega okay i wouldn't care <laughs> but it's like oh they're taking fantasy star and aping grand theft or grand theft auto uh fake grand, grand order grand, or fake grand order grand blue fantasy they all mesh together for me it's uh, i mean it's it's like it's a couple things because like they could approach this a, a few different ways like they could have done like uh square enix and saying that okay we're putting this out but this is a part of a bigger plan that we have to release other games. Like, you know, they brought back Saga, and Saga Scarlet Grace looks uh, apparently is a great game. And that's, like, they're bringing back because they were honoring it. Mana, like, they 
they were doing all this work for like Adventures of Mana and then, you know, of course, the Secret of Mana remake. But, you know, it, the signs are pointing towards the fact that that's, it's, they're not done and they have other plans for that to honor its anniversary, but also try to bring it back in a big way. Sega, I don't know why, as you said, that they would tailor, like, uh, market this as like a 30th anniversary project. Because as you said, it would have been, uh, it would have given the idea, like, this is something where it's like, okay, we're going to bring back all your series favorites uh, and, and, you know, talk about, like, uh, bring these characters and, like, these demons and things like that. None of it, all the characters are original. Like, there's nothing that would yeah. tell you that this is a 30th anniversary project to make you excited about it. Uh, and that's, I just can't describe anything other than like severe disappointment with this and this is weird because like once again like last week on the podcast i felt like i was trying to be optimistic about like you know if it's a new fantasy star but happens to be on mobile and in the design of the originals like that's fine because i still think that i played them not like a few years ago and i still had a great time with them and i I still was okay with the art style with it Uh, but like it's it's not only did they uh and it's 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 weird to be harping on this so constantly like this but like not only is it like a like a different original story with some familiarity with like Dark Falls, uh, which was the, ba- the the last boss in a lot of those games, like in Fantasy Star Online, okay. was the last boss, uh, but like the fact that that's there but like the characters seem lame as hell like very generic very bland already like you can already tell from not only the designs but the character uh the concepts of the character the backgrounds uh it it already feels kind of lame it looks like a flash title is also part of the reason why it just looks kind of dumb and there's just nothing there for like a fan of the series to latch onto and say oh i remember this or like i enjoy this because of that or something like that like I may have not have grown up playing Fantasy Star. I was around the time when it came out, but I was a Super Nintendo family, first and foremost, a Nintendo family. Um, yeah. But like, I still played a hell of a lot of Fantasy Star Online, and I loved it to death. Um, but there's nothing about this game that would tell you... like It could be by any other name. It could have been like, you know, this is like a... Like, I, got, I got that box recently, Knight's Chronicle. It could be like... Fate Night Chronicle or something. It it's it, it doesn't it had it has a so far outside of some uh, aspects of it. There's nothing there that would tell you that this is a fantasy star game, and I think that's just like the the biggest letdown here. And I just cannot be more disappointed in what they announced than this. You know, it's like when Square Enix said something big's happening, and they had the picture of like the that was it like the planet, and it was a countdown for a new browser game that came out. People would think it was like a new Star Ocean. Yep. It was like years ago from like a teaser site. But that's I like, remember that. I remember that. I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, I, I remember I, that teaser. I think it was like some like I, I, think, I think that was before Star Ocean Five existed. It was. Too. It was before. They did eventually make Star Ocean Five. I think it was. I, I don't know if it was before or after that. Trius had put out that tech demo that they were that that tech movie that they put out for yeah. the new engine. But like that's it's like that. It's like it's. I didn't expect Sega to pull a Square Enix, you know, in, in that way of doing this big teaser site every day showing a new picture of this person taking off a helmet, like. The art looked great from the teaser because it looked like a very hard edge, like this knight, like this this person seems very, you know, uh, very tough, you know, very, uh, uh, like a, a sense of justice about them. But then they take off the helmet and she becomes like this really shy, nervous girl, like I can't stand, like, I just got sick to my stomach, like, no, you don't do this to a series filled with these very mature characters that, uh, I mean, some of them are kind of lame in the series as well, but like most, for the most part, like they're very, you know, uh, very headstrong people. And you, like back then where it's, you know, in an era where that was more important to have, like uh, in, going like Final Fantasy VI, like the early Final Fantasy games, like there were more uh, important, more mature, older look at feeling characters 
uh, once again, this just feels so egregious, and I just, I it's going to be a lot of work for them to convince anybody, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but like convince people that this is something for the fans. So far, definitely does not feel the case. So, I will say, just I I do mean to play the original series at some point here and i imagine they're not too long no but just... they're like 20 25 <laughs> hours you can i mean there's so many ways they put yeah. out that genesis collection on PC, i have i have cool. i have them on i have what two three and four on steam and then i have i think i have the, uh, the the version of the first one on virtual console whichever version that is i know they have several versions yeah they do have. they do so so yeah I, I i have at least one version of each of them so. <laughs> they should have just done what they did was that sega put out the the sega collection uh the uh, I forget what it was called, but like on the PS2, they they remade a lot of these uh, uh, the the Fantasy Star games. If they would have just put those together in a collection and put that out with some updates here and there, you know, that would have been a way bigger better gift than you know like this this imposter was <laughs> what I felt like, you know, because like I played because uh, so there's people translating the original Fantasy Star games that came out of the PS2 collection. Um, Sega Ages is actually what it was called. People need to check that out if they have it because they someone actually fan trans a group fan translated uh, the first one. I don't know. I don't remember if the second one's been fully done yet, but like the first one was, and it was way more easier to get into because uh, you get a lot more money. There was fewer turn of uh, random encounters and things like that. It was a lot more approachable. Uh, few, of course, because they haven't translated it all. It's like you'd want to play the original four because they're obviously all in English, so it's a little bit easier. Uh, but something like that would have been better. But I want to I, I, I want to stop going in circles about this because if I keep thinking about it, it's going to keep bumming me out. But that's, <laughs> I just want to get that off my chest because it's, it's something that Sega did something wrong. And I, I wish, I hope that, you know, they, they answer for that because this game is supposed to be out at the end of the year. So far, it's only announced for Japan on iOS and Android. Uh, boy, I just don't know. Like, with all the competition that they have, I don't know why they would do something like this. It, they should have made something at least original uh, if they were going to do this. Not something that looks like it's taken off of a game that's immensely successful that no one would ever want to go from that to something like this. So uh, we'll find out, I guess. But let's wrap this up before I bust a, you know, yeah. a vein in my forehead or something. Um, so where people can find us... <laughs> You can always find us on rpgsite.net. You can check out reviews, once again, for Octopath Traveler, my review for Shin Megami Tensei Liberation DX2, Liz's review of The Banner Saga 3, which is another series that I should really get into because it sounds uh, amazing. Uh, so we're checking it out. Uh, we've also got a bunch of guides out there, by the way, for like um, Octopath as well. People want to check that out too. And we've got some other stuff like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, the update news regarding that. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at rpgsite. Our Facebook page, facebook.com such RPG site net. YouTube channel, youtube.com such RPG site net. Adam, uh, uh, other Adam, is still playing through Xenogears, and we got the recent VOD for that. That He had a stream yesterday, so people can check that out on there. We have a full playlist. You can also uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Just search for TetraCast. Uh, permanent Discord link, if people want to chat with us, uh, is discord.me such RPG site. And lastly, we'd like to share where you can find us on Twitter. So where can they find you, Adam? K-I-N-G-A. Uh, the, the, I think I that cut out a little bit I here. 
Yeah, I think you changed my handle. Yeah, I think I think you cut out a little bit there. It's K I N G underscore S E D A. People who didn't hear that. Oh, okay. I, I, I think you yep. cut out for a moment there. Uh, and, I don't I don't like my handle, but I've been <laughs> I've had it for so long. I don't want to change it. <laughs> you know, if they do, if you do end up changing it, I think it reroutes you, and so you should be fine. Yeah, uh, I know it does. And you can always find me at Zach Reese. So yeah, that's it for this July twenty eighth. Uh, 2018 edition of the TetraCast. I think it's episode 120, so we're going here. We're rolling pretty quick here. Uh, everyone out there, though, thank you for listening, and catch us next week for yet another edition of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone.